0: You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to Unscripted, a special podcast series from Shorescripts in collaboration with the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Unscripted with Shorescripts is a six-episode series discussing challenges facing patients and care providers, and how technology is creating opportunities for change. This series will offer a variety of voices in specialty medications, different pharmacy conversations, and showcase how Shorescripts is driving best-in-class solutions designed specifically to deliver operational efficiencies, and most important, the best patient care. Shorescripts aims to keep the patient at the center of all that we do, working to ensure faster, more informed, more accurate, more reliable transfer of information among care management teams.
1: One of the biggest changes in my career in pharmacy was always focused on specialty pharmacy and the attention that specialty pharmacy was driving to the overall health care of Patients that needed specialty care, goodness gracious, it's within the name of it, isn't it? Specialty pharmacy and what that means and what enormous changes have taken place in specialty pharmacy specifically since I entered pharmacy way back in 2004. And the people that I have met that have been so diligent and so specific to disease states, how things are being paid for, how technology is being implemented, how workflows are being designed, has been so exciting uh, for our publication for the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And the partnership that we formed with the NASP, the National Association of Specialty Pharmacies, led by Sheila Arquette, has also been very special because that's really the, the gatherer association of what is specialty pharmacy and what that means to the patient outcomes, what that means to health systems that are looking to grow their specialty pharmacies um, throughout the country in order to keep up with the needs of the patient. Because we know that specialty disease states are not like um, much of what else is happening in our community geriatric-focused long-term care pharmacy, compounding, even though there's a subset to it and a piece to it. So today's episode is very special. We are going to talk about a day in the life of a specialty pharmacist perspective and really kind of get our state of the nation of of what's happening in our industry within an industry, specialty pharmacy within pharmacy. So I'd like to bring back Sheila Kett. She's the president and CEO of the National Association of Specialty Pharmacies and Cecilia Byers, PharmD, Specialty Pharmacy Clinical Product Manager for SureScripts. Welcome Cecilia and Sheila to the Pharmacy Podcast Nation.
2: Thank you, Todd. It's great to be here again. Yes, thank you, Todd.
1: It's great to hear both of your voices. You know, like I kicked this off, what an amazing subset of healthcare. And I almost feel like with so much happening multiple sclerosis, HIV, Hep C, there's so many disease states that are in, in so much need of specificity, detail, technology, workflow. I just want to jump right in. I'm going to start with Sheila. You know, what's that definition and how has the definition of specialty pharmacy changed? I remember it was always centered or anchored around pricing or workflow or something, but boy, that's changed. And I just kind of want to kick it off to you first to just give us the definition of specialty pharmacy today.
3: Sure, Todd. So, you know, we're still working on that, right? We're still trying to get a, you know, consensus around the definition of specialty pharmacy and have that be established and recognized throughout the industry But NASP focuses on the complexity, right, and that word complex, because when you think of specialty pharmacy and you think of a specialty pharmacy patient, you think about all of the complexities, the inherent complexities, right? And it may be with the drug, the way the drug is administered. It may be with the, um, you know, the payer's utilization management requirements or benefits, It may be around being able to afford that medication and engaging with either a patient assistance program, a manufactured sponsored corporate program, a foundation. It may be in the, you know, the administration of the medication, the management of side effects, or it could be a combination of all of that. Right. But so we we focus on the word complexity or complex. And what are the capabilities that a pharmacy and and the team that you know works at that pharmacy, what do they need to possess to appropriately manage this patient, right? To serve as that extension of the prescriber's office and and carry on that that treatment plan that was started in, in the prescriber's office that now we're fortunate enough to have. Um, therapies and medications available for treatment in the home. Patient can, you know, be su- successfully treated in the comfort and convenience of their own home, but they still need that support, right? And so that's what we focus on right now, Todd, is complexity.
1: Cecilia, so, so yeah, the day in the life of a specialty pharmacist in comparison to someone who focuses on community pharmacy, uh, long term care pharmacy, even compounding or health system. What does that day in the life look like and why is it so different from the other subsets of pharmacy?
2: Todd, that's a really good question. It's something that, you know, I think about frequently. So I spent more than half of my career when I was in pharmacy in, in that retail sector and then, you know, was fortunate enough within the company that I came from prior to joining SureScripts was to learn about specialty pharmacy and what makes specialty pharmacy different from a retail pharmacy. Um and what I learned is exactly what Sheila had just said. It's it's complex. It's the complexities of just that day to day. You know, we consider you know a retail pharmacy prescription. You get a prescription from the doctor's office. If everything goes right, your that patient can come back in and get their prescription in about an hour. Um, and then we look at specialty pharmacy, and that's where everything you know becomes that complex piece of you know just that that continuation of care. From getting that prescription in the door, trying to understand what is the benefit, um, you know, benefit investigation from that insurance perspective. Is it covered? Is it not? Knowing that about 95% of medications that are specialty are going to require a prior authorization, we immediately start to kick in, you know, those different processes that are needed to get that prior authorization going. If we're fortunate enough, the doctor's already done some of that legwork, but oftentimes the pharmacy, as Sheila had pointed out, we're an extension of that doctor's office. We're really making wanting, wanting to make sure that that experience for that not only the patient but the provider is seamless to get things going. So starting those prior authorization processes, trying to understand you know what what is required for this particular prior authorization versus yesterday's prior authorization for a different patient, a different plan. So there's not a lot of consistencies in those areas, um, which cause um, time to therapy to be extended in you know and just getting that patient started on their therapy. And then it's, you know, okay, so we get the prior authorization, now it's approved, but the patient's co-pay because of the types of medications that they're taking could be thousands of dollars. Most patients can't afford that, especially that are on limited income and having these um, conditions that are lifelong therapy. So then it's looking at how can we support them um, with manufacturer assistance programs um, that might, you know, have funds available to be able to help them, looking at manufacturer support programs. Um, and then we can, you know, get to a place of, okay, now the patient can afford therapy. And then what? what's next? It's okay, now we need to get them started on that therapy, you know, whether it's with nursing support, pharmacist support, really to get them, you know, helping them to understand the medication itself so that they they know how to administer it to themselves if that's what they're going to be doing, um, or if it's going to be a home infusion, you know, we've seen a change with COVID-19 over the past year of medications that were traditionally going to be infused at an infusion center have been moving more towards home infusion to really kind of keep that patient safe. Um, so it'll be interesting again to see how, as time goes on, what is that landscape going to look like because specialty pharmacy starts to fall into that sector as well. So we have the patient that's are you know going to be started on those medications, and then then it's the ongoing care it's those monthly follow-ups to make sure that, you know, they're not having any side effects of the medication, that they're being adherent to therapy, that um, they are just, you know, comfortable with the information that they have. They're progressing correctly and helping the patient understand that progression um, to kind of that feeling better is sometimes a weeks to months and not a days. Um, So really helping them understanding that being that point of contact for that patient. Um, As we know, our specialty pharmacies are all going to, you know, if they're accredited or have a 24-7 availability of a staff member, that if a question comes up after hours, they have the ability to get back to a pharmacist or a a nurse that can answer those questions that come up. I know when I was in pharmacy, when I was in my specialty pharmacy, I would receive phone calls on weekends from my patients. Um, just asking questions, you know, they weren't really sure about a side effect or if it was a side effect or they missed their dose or something happened and just really being there for the patient when they need it. Um, Pharmacists are, you know, the most easily accessible healthcare professional out there, whether it is retail or even in specialty. So it's really, you know, kind of maintaining that relationship with that patient and seeing them through really from start to finish. That's one thing that, you know, as pharmacists, we have the, the privilege to be a part of that care team. And with that patient from the very beginning, you know, unless there's a pl- benefit plan change and they have to go to a different pharmacy, you know, to really see them through that entire course of um, treatment. So, I mean, that's a privilege as a pharmacist for me to be able to have been able to do that with my patients.
1: Sheila, what is the NASP doing to keep up with these trends and changes that, that encapsulate and in, in, in have to do with, goodness gracious, super? specific payer needs for for processing um, the standards that are that are either changing or or continuing to kind of grow out based on a disease state. Talk to us about the NASP helping the specialty pharmacy sector of healthcare.
3: Sure. That that's a really great question, Todd. And, and so what we focus on is trying to evaluate Um, all of our members' needs, right? We have a multi-stakeholder composition. So not only do we represent the specialty pharmacies and the pharmacists, but then also the clinical nurses, right? That work in these pharmacies or um, some of these other specialty pharmacy practice settings. Also, the pharmacy technicians, you know, pharmacy students, but then we have a whole host of other organizations that are members of NASP who have, you know, unique needs as well, like our pharmaceutical manufacturers, you know, our data and technology providers, um, you know, like share scripts, um, our GPOs, our wholesalers, our patient advocacy groups, our health plans, our PBMs. All anybody, you know, in the specialty pharmacy industry is welcome and encouraged to be a member of NASP, and so we have to have all of that in mind. But when we're sitting down and we're really looking at, you know, specialty pharmacy. I try to keep in mind, right, that a specialty pharmacy really serves many masters, right? There's multiple masters to serve that, you know, in addition to keeping the patient at the center of everything that they do, and also the caregivers that, you know, help um, that patient along their journey, we also have to keep in mind that there's payers, there's prescribers, right? We have the pharmaceutical manufacturers, and oftentimes they have some requirements that are unique. Um, I'm talking about reporting and REMS requirements, post-marketing data collection, limited drug distribution network requirements, and um, you know, reporting on uh, some of that criteria. So we try to keep in mind, okay, what would be most impactful for a specialty pharmacist who is so busy in this practice setting, right? Trying to care for patients, right? That's their number one concern. Also, you know, as they as they deal with reimbursement challenges, right? As margins continue to compress. Um, and, and just making sure that they're you know, competitive and that they're staying abreast of all of the changes in this rapidly changing um, ecosystem. So we, fir- we definitely focus on education, right? What are the educational programs that the that specialty pharmacists and nurses and, and technicians need to keep themselves current? We also offer a specialty pharmacist certification program right now, right, for those pharmacists um, who are interested um, in, in demonstrating that they have this proficiency in the, in the specialty pharmacy practice setting. And we're also looking at expanding that certification or certificate programs to, to other healthcare professionals in the specialty space. Um, I also very much focus on networking and connectivity. How do I bring the stakeholders together in the industry, right? I, I'm fortunate enough to have a really awesome network of folks that um, I've been able to connect with along the way. But when I came to NASP, I quickly realized that they don't know each other. So, um, you know, my team and I, we work very, very diligently trying to come up with ways to make organizations known, to make individuals known, to make products and services known to each other, right? And and to promote those and to to shine the spotlight on how all of these stakeholders come together to, to impact, positively impact that patient journey. We also focus you know, on our annual meeting and expo that we offer each year in September. And that's where we bring all of the stakeholders together, right? And we focus on all of those things, the education, the best practices sharing, um, you know, certification. We talk about certification, how can you become certified? We do a lot with networking and connectivity and trying to foster those relationships and building those synergies. So I think you know, that, that's what NASP is trying to do. We're trying to provide the support for all of the industry stakeholders that are supporting um, and caring for
1: patients. It's interesting that you kind of did that in a chronological way, Sheila, because that's what I remember about the entrance of specialty pharmacy becoming so prominent within healthcare and handling specific needs of patients in a new way, whether that is the process or the workflow or the very specific medication being used, even the packaging and transportation of a medication that was so that was handled so much differently. I remember a tour with Mike Agostino with Amber Pharmacy back in the day, where Keycentrics was kind of mapping out a, a new workflow process and how we had talked about the need to have special workflows set up for a specific disease state. And how I remember the technician and pharmacist that we were interviewing was describing one disease state versus the other and the process of the first 14 days, 30 days, 90 days out of what it meant to work in this disease state with this specific family, with this patient and how SureScripts helped to drive technology usage and what that means for outcomes. And Cecilia, that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about in the challenges that you face as a specialty pharmacist. How can, the, how can technology help? Specifically, you know, what is SureScripts doing to help uh, change things and improve things?
2: Yeah, Todd, that's a, you know, thinking back on kind of where I started in pharmacy, to even getting to specialty pharmacy in, in 2016, and then leading into SureScripts. You know, the one thing that seemed to always be lacking, or at least maybe not lacking, but again, to Sheila's point, it's like, how do you know what's available? Is just that, like, what technologies were available to make things easier? Um, You know, kind of thinking through the process you had mentioned, you know, walking through with Amber Pharmacy, kind of the workflow based on disease state. Every disease state's a little bit different, and every disease state needs something different. Um, And part of that information that's needed Mm -hmm. is clinical information, so, you know, we've come from, and unfortunately, pharmacy is still in that place today of vax machines. Um, and it's unfortunate, you know, because that's just how a lot of that information is being relied, or um, is being sent back and forth between doctor's offices and pharmacists. So how can we streamline some of that transfer of information, clinical information specifically, as we're looking at how those prescriptions are being written and the clinical information that's necessary to go alongside of that prescription to not only just onboard that patient into that pharmacy to make sure that the medication was, um, the correct medication for that patient at that right time that is being prescribed safely. Um, so using, you know, body weight and height as needed, depending on those disease states again, but then we look at, you know, even more complications from more complicated information for like hepatitis C. So needing to know the genotype to make sure that the right medication is being, um, prescribed, um, so really, you know, getting that information in a seamless fashion is something that's really important for pharmacies today to be able to get. There's paper forms that pharmacies have developed and maintained. Um, I review those on a regular basis just to make sure that, you know, is there alignment? Is Are we making sure that the information is being consistent that we're trying to get from EHRs? So that's really where we have um, you know, some of our product specialty patient enrollment, for example, is one that we integrate into EHRs. So that way, when a specialty prescription is being written, we're able to extract some of that clinical information directly from that EHR and send it along with that prescription to that specialty pharmacy. Again, you know, closing the gap on that time. So we're eliminating some of those phone calls that might be going out to pharmacies um, or sorry, from a pharmacy to a doctor's office um, and then waiting that time. To get that information back, um, we have our prior authorization um, electronic prior authorization service, which is you know those true electronic prior authorizations to be able to send the um, right to the right to the payer um, to get that response back for our specialty pharmacies, um, while still being able to go through the provider if necessary, but again, streamlining that that prior authorization process again, which we know is. It can take time. It can take days to sometimes get those back, if not weeks, to get prior authorizations back because there's not that consistency from one to the next. And then we also have um, you know, just our, our bread and butter routing. so getting those prescriptions from, you know, place from point A to point B um, for from those providers to those pharmacies as well as the script standards that we um, have been creating um, with regulatory bodies. Um, that are trying to really enhance what information is coming along with those electronic prescriptions. And then we have pharmacists the ability for pharmacists to try to get clinical information um, independently with our specialty medications gateway. And a whole host of other things at SureScripts that we're doing today to really try to make life easier for the pharmacists um, and technicians within those specialty pharmacies. Because at the end of the day... You know one of the things that we need to make sure we're doing is keeping the patient at the center of care um, at the center of everything that we're doing right so the, what we can do is impacting every patient every day and um, continuing to evolve what SureScripts has for traditional pharmacies and trying to figure out how those can be introduced into specialty pharmacies recognizing that there is more need for more data more information is always going to be needed by our specialty pharmacies And how can we bring that to them in a meaningful fashion um, that is impactful to their workflow and ultimately trying to keep them in their workflow? So creating solutions that can be taken in and that information can be electronically shared back and forth.
1: So 25 to 30 million Americans are living with a rare disease and, um, and the specialty pharmacy market accounted for such significant growth. Uh, throughout our industry. There was a report put out by Drug Channels Institute. It was a 2020 report that that specialty drugs represented 36% of the total pharmacy revenue. Um, And the FDA is going to be uh, continuously approving up and coming specialty medications that are gonna continue to need special handling, special processing, special workflow. Sheila, I think of this and I'm wondering, there are health systems out there that want to have specialty pharmacies grow outside within their, um, within their health system to serve um, their communities and populations. How does, how does one manage all of this kind of coming to one uh, point um, to make sure that things are handled correctly? Within those trends, the processes, the, um, the process improvements um, so that we make sure that uh, patients are being cared for in the right manner.
3: So I think, I think, Todd, it's through collaboration, right? And all of the stakeholders working together. I think it's, you know, the specialty pharmacies, um, you know, understanding um, from the manufacturer you know, these incredible life-saving medications that are being, you know, being introduced and, and being FDA approved and, and how to best manage patients, how to monitor for side effects. It's working with the payers, right? And what are their expectations with, with respect to this patient population and, and how can they work with them, right? Because, you know, oftentimes these these are costly patients and, um, you know, how do we work on um, minimizing some of those, you know, ancillary costs or secondary costs? How do we improve their quality of life, um, but I definitely think it's it's in working in partnership. How can we leverage, you know, like Cecilia said, how can we leverage technology, right, to make sure that that we're keeping track of all of the rapidly um, and evolving, you know. Changes that are happening. Um, and, and so how, and then how do we use technology, right, to best interact with patients? I think we learned that during COVID that, that people now are much more receptive to you know, different ways of human interaction. It doesn't necessarily have to be face-to-face. How do we use more telehealth? How do we use more digital technology to, to continue to engage the patient and the prescriber and the caregivers? Um, but again, I think it definitely has to be a, you know, a collaborative and a co- coordinated effort so that we understand from the very beginning, um, you know, what does this patient journey, what, what do we want it to look like? What are the possibilities? what is What defines a successful outcome? And then how do we partner to make sure that that gets done?
2: And I would just add on, Sheila, I would say yes to everything you said and in this particular, you know, as we look at what's coming to market, there's a lot of new medications that are coming out for what I would have considered traditionally non-specialty disease states. Um, So Alzheimer's disease, for example. So there's going, you know, there's in in the pipeline, there are drugs that are going to be injectables for Alzheimer's, which I would imagine will ultimately fall into the hands of specialty pharmacies to be dispensing. And, you know, that collaboration needs to start sooner than later because we're going to see this prescribing pattern from non-specialty um, providers um, to more of those traditional maybe family practice or other types of providers that aren't used to the specialty workflow um, and really building out that collaboration helping to build those efficiencies and continuing to evolve those efficiencies so that way, when you know when we have a traditionally non-specialty disease state that all of a sudden now has specialty medications, um, to really have that smooth transition of care. So those patients that are used to just going to their neighborhood pharmacy to pick up their medications, you know, although they know there's going to be a difference, there's going to be you know a few more people that are going to be involved with their care, but really making that a seamless transition.
1: So I want to hear about the. The bringing that technology kind of together, and the very first thing I think of is the order. I think of the physician that is using the electronic health records to to kind of execute on that first stage, uh, and then and then where that where that connects into really everything else is the kickoff event, and how PBMs are part of this, and how the hubs are part of this, and. It's kind of a little bit overwhelming when I think of it, Cecilia. So can you kind of give us a a chronological order of the life and the day of a specialty pharmacist within an example of where that information starts and how that proceeds through workflow when you're starting um, a new therapy, a new order?
2: Yeah, so I think, you know... From a pharmacist perspective, I mean, everything starts when it hits, you know, it kind of comes into the system. But if we think backwards, right, we have to consider those things that have happened in those doctor's office that has led up to um, that prescription coming into the specialty pharmacy, because ultimately that's where, you know, those decisions were made to start that therapy. And it's really trying to understand, you know, why? Why was that there? Why was that particular therapy chosen, you know, through asking the patient, trying to understand the background of what was happening um, when that decision was made. Was there other therapies that have been tried and failed? What has the doctor's office already done in a proactive fashion? Um, because if we consider just the landscape of specialty, we start to see you know, hub involvement. We start to see some of those manufacturer hubs that are coming into play that are offering a lot of the same services that a specialty pharmacy does in terms of um, prior authorization support, Um, payment support, really helping the patient, you know, financially, can they help that? They also have nursing services and and different pieces like that. So really trying to leverage everything for your, you know, those patients. So when it comes into the specialty pharmacy, it's really important to know kind of what's already been done. So we're not duplicating those efforts. Um, Because again, time is of the essence for many of these patients and wanting to start those therapies. So, you know, we get the prescription as it comes in the door. Ideally, it's electronic because many of our systems have the technology to start some of those processes of, of filling in that prescription once it comes in the door. And then it's that clinical information, as we talked about a little bit earlier, is, you know, ha- making sure we have the right clinical information at the right time so that way the pharmacist or nurses Depending on you know the type of pharmacy and their workflow, are able to do some of those review, those drug utilization reviews to make sure again that there's not going to be any problems with that medication for that particular patient just at first sight. And then we look at the um you know how that same clinical information can be leveraged for maybe a prior authorization um, because a lot of the times those payers are looking for some of those pieces of clinical information that can, you know I use the word prove that, but that's, you know, it proves to the payer that that's the right medication for that patient um, in that situation, right? Because no patients one to the next are ever going to be the same. So there's always going to be those nuances um, just to understand that. So, you know, having that clinical information really accelerates the processes that are downstream um, once that prescription is received. Um, and then we talk a little bit about, you know, getting that prior authorization done. Do we have to still leverage the provider for more information? Or can it be just sent directly to the payer themselves? So that's another thing that, you know, really is, you know, SureScripts is working on trying to help, you know, kind of bridge that gap in that, you know, there are other people, there are other sources that, you know, potentially could be doing the submission, um, and, you know, ideally would be allowed because of this, you know, they're acting as behalf or as an agent of that prescriber with the clinical information that they've already received. Um, and then it's, you know, that call to the patient, helping them understand this is going to be the process. It's, it's you know, we'd like it to be easy. Um, but what we're going to do is try to make it efficient because we know that specialty pharmacy isn't an easy process. Um, but if we can make it efficient, then we can save time. And we can get patients on those, those valuable therapies. Um, it's really, you know, kind of keeping that conversation open amongst all stakeholders um, so that when a problem or something does arise that doesn't necessarily go the way we want it to, we, we know we can quickly step in and take action where appropriate. It's working collaboratively with um, patient assistance programs, uh, manufacturer hub services to really make sure that patients can financially afford their medication. Um, knowing that, you know, some, some medications, depending on the disease state, so for HIV, could be, you know, less expensive on the month-to-month basis, but we still have to consider the patient's financial um, stability and whether or not they can afford um, that copay on a on a regular, ongoing basis, because we know that it's so important that there's adherence to these specialty medications to ensure that the patients are maximizing their benefit of taking it. Um Which ultimately is what you know we see from our payers in terms of some of the um the quality standards and quality um points that specialty pharmacies are having to adhere to um with you know portions of day, days covered um, and different um standards that they're being measured against now so again it's you know that affordability piece is really big when it comes to specialty medications, and there is a tremendous amount of opportunity out there um, for pharmacies to be able to find that support, to find those financial resources. Um, NASP does a really great job of bringing those um, those different stakeholders to the table. Again, as Sheila was pointing out, um, with annual meetings and just in that networking that NASP provides in general, um, and then it's helping the patient again to understand the medication what's it going to do to them? How is it going to make them feel? When are they going to start to feel better? Will I feel worse before I feel better, which in some cases, unfortunately, is the case, but really, you know, being part of that team for that patient, helping them to understand the whole process is really where specialty pharmacies um, play a critical role in just not only that initial fill, but then ongoing care um, and really being able to relay information back to Um, providers, their care team to really help them understand how the patient is progressing on their therapy um, and help to raise red flags where necessary. Again, opportunities there for how can that information transfer not happen with a phone call or with the fax, but, you know, more electronic. And again, as we, as specialty continues to grow and as technologies continue to evolve, you know, everything that we can do to streamline those processes, both for pharmacies as well as providers, are going to be key.
1: So expensive specialty pharmacy, goodness gracious, the average specialty drug costs nearly 79000 per patient per year, and that specialty drug spending um, is, is a, a huge portion of, of the of the expense of the process and making sure that the money that's being spent is is coming back and doing exactly what it was intended for that patient's life and the management of that disease state. And I think of the NASP and gathering every year the the conference becomes bigger and bigger because of the the needs that are that are very specific to specialty pharmacy. And Sheila, I've seen the conference, um, you know, it seems like it it doubles almost every year. And I'm wondering, what's the common theme of the member specialty pharmacy um, out there? What are the what are the the top three challenges that you would pick out that they've conveyed to you, Sheila? First so of all,
3: I think it's ensuring that we have a fair and competitive marketplace, Todd, right, where um, specialty pharmacies can, can compete and we can continue to focus on elevating and raising the bar with respect to the practice of specialty pharmacy, um, but we, we also have to focus on reimbursement, right, and that the reimbursement provided to the specialty pharmacies is such that they can continue to reinvest in what's necessary to keep pace with this rapidly changing and evolving industry, right? I think our evidence-based medicine guidelines change probably daily with respect to some of these, you know, these patients, these diseases, and these medications. So I think, you know, our number one challenge continues to be the compression of margins and reimbursement, right? We also, um, you know, we face challenges with respect to uh, payer um, networks and and having access to to the patients that we want to serve. So again, it's, having patients and prescribers have that that freedom and that flexibility to choose the specialty pharmacy that they want right so we continue to to hear that that's um that's an issue and then again just trying to provide and, and to help them Um, to best support them as they try to take care of patients. And as Cecilia said, it it can be, you know, it can be drug specific, it can be disease specific. Sometimes there's nuances within a patient population, right? That necessitate um, different care plans, you know, just based on response and side effect profile and just, you know, a patient's DNA. So I think it's providing those educational resources, and again, connecting them to other folks in the industry that can help them to work smarter, right? Not harder. We want to, you know, we want to automate and we want to use technology, leverage technology to the best of our ability to free up our clinicians and our, you know, our pharmacists and our nurses and our technicians to really, um, you know, work with patients, right? That one-on-one interaction, however that that care is delivered, so, that we can optimize clinical and economic outcomes for the patient and really positively impact that patient journey.
1: So, there's a survey that um, SureScripts uh, did, really, really well done, um, to really show the administrative work um, of, of a specialty pharmacy and how that can steal time away from patient care. And SureScripts constantly is working on revolutionizing that specialty pharmacy. Um, workflow and the subsets within workflow and specialty pharmacy prescribing and fulfillment process so that there's more time to devote to care management with those patients and the patients are getting um, that attention that they need, the follow-up phone calls, the question and answers to um, to continuing to be able to fund these medications. Cecilia, can you go through some of the ways that SureScripts is, in fact, Working to revolutionize those uh, specialty um, prescribing and fulfillment processes.
2: Yeah, that's a really good um, question and statement that we have because we are doing, we are looking, you know, really closely at specialty pharmacy um, and just the specialty medication journey in general, right? Like recognizing that it starts from that prescriber's office and ends through um, ends once the patient gets that medication, but ultimately never really ends. Um, there are, you know. I think maybe a couple of disease states I can think of off the top of my head that where we actually stop care after a certain amount of time. But in most cases with specialty, it's an ongoing, it's a, it's lifelong, a lifelong treatment. Um, and, you know, Sheila had said it really good, you, or she said it best when she said, how do we get, you know, how can we work smarter, not harder? How can we build those efficiencies in? And that's really what, you know, again, as we look at what we're doing at SureScripts is how the work that we're doing impacts every patient every day, and what we're doing, so we have three three solutions today that are really geared towards specialty pharmacies, um, and even in some cases um, towards our hub partners as well. Um, with specialty patient enrollment, is is kind of that first one where we it starts at the doctor's office and with the EHR and sending clinical information directly from the EHR with those electronic prescriptions. However, that does require that prescription to be written electronically. And we still see a lot of those manual prescriptions um, being faxed or um, telephoned into pharmacies. So when we really start leaving some of those electronic workflows, we start to immediately lose those efficiencies. So really is you know, driving to keep things within, pharma- or within provider workflows that can then be translated and put into a pharmacy workflow um, to keep that information seamless. We have an opportunity for pharmacies um, to be able to try to access information from EHRs um, with the specialty medications gateway. So, you know, trying to bring or find, a, you know, bring clinical information to pharmacies without having to pick up that phone and call the doctor first. Um, so, really identifying ways that we can, again, eliminate some of the burden um, from both sides to be able to streamline those processes. And then we have electronic prior authorization for specialty partners, really allowing our um, um, specialty pharmacies to do more of those prior authorization initiations um, on behalf of the prescriber that go straight to the payers. Again, the more that we can do and streamline and keep in that really electronic workflow from the prescriber's office through the pharmacy, even to the payer, you know, keeping without trying to introduce paper and faxes is really going to help streamline a lot of those processes that we have today. And then again, to Sheila's point, once we're doing that, we are giving more time back. We're giving time back to the pharmacists and the nurses for that patient. We're giving time back to the provider for the patient. And the patient is then receiving the best possible care from all different angles, all different parts of their care team, Um, and ultimately trying to get that medication started sooner. Where we did in our survey, we had seen, you know, that it can take at least four days to fill a specialty prescription. Recall, I said an hour in a retail location, so now four days, and sometimes seven to ten days. So if we're able to trim two days off of that, or even three days off of that, that's a really big, that's meaningful um, to all of the stakeholders across specialty, including, as Sheila had pointed out, manufacturers who are looking to make sure that medications are started in a timely fashion and really wanting to make sure that, you know, their medications are being used correctly. And, you know, from a REMS perspective, some of the REMS um, pieces that need to be started, you know, have time frames on them. So if it's taking longer than expected, you know, maybe tests would have to be repeated. And if we're really able to streamline and take some of that time away, we're eliminating um, some of those additional overhead costs and ultimately, you know, bringing value to those specialty pharmacies with technology, Um, That ultimately then goes back to the patient and how they're being supported by that pharmacy.
1: Sheila, can you share with us what's upcoming in the specialty markets, in specialty pharmacy markets, and even what is NASP preparing for the rest of 2021? What can we look forward to?
3: Well, I think Cecilia mentioned, right, we're starting, or we continue to see, not starting, we continue to see specialty drug approvals for conditions that were historically managed by, you know, small molecule therapies. And then we also see an explosion in, you know, drug approvals in the rare and orphan disease space, which is incredibly, um, you know, encouraging and exciting. We now have um, treatments for diseases that, you know, even five years ago, right, there were none. So very, very exciting. We're also starting to see, you know, a bigger push to incorporate genomics, right, into medication prescribing. And I think that um, brings a lot of changes, right? We're now um, not going to have to do so much trial and error, right? Let's let's try medication, see if you get the response. We're going to know, based on your genetic makeup, if, if this medication is going to work for you and if, it, if it's appropriate. So I think there's, you know, a, again, a lot of, um, you know, exciting changes in you know, on the horizon as we continue to focus on this precision and personalized medicine, which in my opinion is really, really exciting. And so, you know, NASP is just going to continue to work to best position our members to meet those challenges, right, as as things continue um, to change and to evolve. And we, you know, continue to to promote specialty pharmacy practice, and again, elevate the practice, um, you know, we're going to continue to welcome all stakeholders to be to be part of NASP because we firmly believe that we make the best decisions when everybody has a seat at the table. Um, you know, we want to understand and incorporate all perspectives um, into that you know decision making process. We're excited to be hosting um, our ninth annual NASP annual meeting and expo. This year it will be live and we are going to be at a new venue at the Marriott Marquis in downtown DC. So super excited about that. Um, And just, you know, continue Todd, just to focus on how do we best support those who are caring for these patients, right? Who do, um, do need and deserve this highly specialized white glove service, um, you know, that type of, uh, patient centric, all hands on deck type approach.
1: That's exciting to hear Sheila. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, before we wrap up, I do have one more question for Cecilia. If you would please share with us, tell us specifically about the SureScript specialty medications gateway, which is, uh, helping to, um, really clarify and and organize information without that giving the the bogged down effect of having so much information um in phone calls and faxes to prescribers can you kind of expand upon this the SureScripts specialty medications gateway
2: yeah so the specialty specialty medications gateway is really you know kind of is we leverage you know kind of SureScripts interoperability in its entirety um when we are Allowing pharmacies to be able to do a patient search and identify, you know, where well through ShareScripts we're able to identify where that patient has received care in the past, and then request the the clinical information from those EHRs that are sharing information to be able to bring back to our pharmacies um, to really identify again those snapshots of those patients in those EHRs to be um, to identify maybe it's a problem list or medications that they're currently taking, um, allergy information, demographic information, social determinants of health are also in there to really help understand and see that patient. We also have opportunities for individualized notes to be able to be um, shared um, from an EHR back to back to the pharmacy um, with that request to really understand that, that individual interaction that that patient may have had with the doctor on any given day. Um, so really capitalizing on that interoperability that we've built with InsureScripts because of, you know, the connections that have made with the to EHRs and pharmacies. Um, again, it's, it's a one-way flow of information, so it's not necessarily that bi-directional that we, would, you know, in time would like to see with some of our other products that we have that are, are building out that capability. Um, but it allows that pharmacy to, to try to get that clinical data independent of the, the phone call or the fax to the provider office. To um, to understand a little bit more about that patient.
1: For listeners, uh, in the show notes of this episode, we are going to have a link to the pharmacist perspectives on the specialty fulfillment process survey that was put together uh, in in with SureScripts attention and very much appreciate that. We're also going to have a link to the NASP's annual meeting page, which is coming up. Um, in in late, uh, mid-late September. Excited about that. As Sheila just mentioned at the Marriott Marquis in, in Washington, D.C. That's exciting because I think we are at a new stage of specialty pharmacy that the pandemic, there's it's not all bad that's come from the pandemic and, and, and the loss of life that we've experienced as a nation is absolutely horrific, but there's been some good that's come of this and the specialty pharmacy market within pharmacy has really risen to the to the to the challenge to care for patients that are even more fragile uh, than other than other patients that are experiencing um, COVID nineteen and and how that impacts them. So this is a, a very special um, year in specialty pharmacy. I'm so excited to have SureScripts be part of this and really telling the stories of what it is to be a specialty pharmacist. And Sheila, you have been an absolute um, champion in helping um, the specialty pharmacy sector within healthcare. So I wanna thank Cecilia and Sheila for, for today's um, amazing conversation. Thank you both.
3: Todd, thank you for having me again. Been a pleasure. Right. Thank you so much, Todd and Cecilia. It was great chatting with both
1: of you. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Nation. We were talking with Sheila Arquette and Cecilia with uh, Scripts. We will have um, information, as I said, in the show notes about the upcoming um, NASP annual event, as well as the survey, which is a, an important part of um of this specific episode and if you have any questions there will be links in the show notes to SureScript so you can reach out to the team and uh and get more information of how to leverage SureScript's technology for your specialty pharmacy. And with that I thank you always for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast and what you do as a pharmacist you are our most favorite providers and as always thank you so much for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to Unscripted, a podcast series from Shorescripts. For more information about how Shorescripts can help your organization, please visit us at Shorescripts.com.